Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio Network. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and resiliency expert, helping people to think, speak, and act positively through the many and varied challenges of life. We have an exciting show today. I, For me, it's the most exciting show I've done in 2015 or in a long recent memory, and we'll be introducing our guest soon. Uh, joining me as co-host today is my amazing friend, Gary Mortel. Gary, tell the audience a little bit about yourself before we introduce our amazing guest today. Hi, Tom. Uh, this is Gary W. Mortel. I sell cars at Car City Motors in St. Joseph, Missouri. I sell Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Chrysler. So uh, if you need a car, call me at 816-724-0376. Thanks, Tom. Thanks so much, uh, Gary, and nice to have you. Your very first show. Hey, welcome to the show. (laughs) So our guest today, I am excited, and Gary is excited about our guest today. He's the one who uh, told me about him. Don Harrison is the 2015 Teacher of the Year in the United States, which generates enormous respect from me. That is an amazing an accomplishment, and I'm really excited to have him on the show today. As an introduction to Don, I'm going to read the letter that his wife wrote to the Live with Kelly and Michael show. Very, very touching letter, and you'll see why they had him on the show after I read this letter. She wrote, Don Harrison is a teacher that gives his all to his students and the school. He gives of his thoughts, time, energy, and actions. Don is a person that can't say no if he is needed. Don has taught for 21 years in Cameron and has won many community awards of being top teacher, firefighter, and emergency medical technician. He is well thought of throughout the town and highly loved by many. He is also actively involved in the church Don became an EMT when a student fell on the playground and he felt like he didn't know enough to help her well. Since then, he got certified and worked summers and weekends on the ambulance to keep up his knowledge. People in town love his humor and compassion when dealing with situations. Don is the school crossing guard and greets families each morning with a smile and treats for the dogs, no matter if it's over 100 degrees or minus 20, which I can associate with here in Toronto. With freezing rain, he is out there and smiling. It starts so many off to a great start seeing him. Don announces track meets, basketball games, prom, and other events as needed. He is the voice of Cameron and has a way to make events humorous and enjoyable. In the community, he bakes cakes for people, plays Santa Claus, gives his time to the church, fights fires, and works on the ambulance. He has missed Christmas dinner with his family and other events while helping others. He is also 
a fabulous dad to two wonderful young men. The letter goes on from there, but you can get the gist of the type of person we have on the call today. Welcome to the show today, Don. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here, honestly. This is this is really neat. It's an exciting honor for both Gary and I to have you on the show. That is an amazing honor to be a teacher of the year and teaching kindergarten. I think that would drive me somewhat nuts on most yeah, things. This is a blast. It really is a blast. <laughs> Every year it is. It is. <laughs> but it sounds like teacher is just like one part of your life, although the one you get the most recognition for uh uh, you're involved in so uh, many other things in the community and the school that uh, uh, it seems like the whole town probably knows you. Yeah, it, it, you grew up in a small town, and uh, you kind of learned. We actually moved from uh, a larger town to here, so we learned pretty quickly that everybody works together on on a lot of different things. You get to see a lot of people all day long. It's It's like walking around with family, to be honest with you. It's... Small towns are great, but it's it's an honor to be to be thought of that way. It is, isn't it? My dad comes from a small town, and you know, to walk like five doors down to the church takes him like thirty minutes because like six people stop him on the way. And uh, it is like nice like that. Well, uh, Gary, you're the one who introduced me to uh, Don and told me about this amazing guy. Let's uh, let you start off with a question for him. Okay. Uh, Mr. Harrison, uh, I know you probably would never admit it, but you're our hometown hero, and uh, we appreciate you and um, all that you do. Um, The first question I I have is, um, you're quoted as saying, all kids are teachable and important. Could you tell us a little bit uh, more about that? Exactly. I really think, I've taught for years, 21 years here in Cameron, and couple other preschools before that and no matter the kids you meet no matter where they are on the whole spectrum of uh, scholars kind of a deal there's things that they can be taught and and that they're so important kids kind of get overlooked sometimes and that's that would be in my mind one of the worst things that could happen as, as a kid comes through my classroom comes through our school is that they wouldn't feel that they're important uh, kids are teachable. I mean, you look at different fans of of the kids, and and everybody has something to contribute to the class. It sounds kind of wild, but uh, been, our corn is growing up here in Missouri at this time. I mean, and it's huge corn. We've got great rain, and I kind of think of that sometimes as kids. You know, all it, there's different sizes of corn, different varieties of corn, and it's just all the corn's important. I mean, it may not be the biggest and best ear, but it contributes, you know, and, and there's something mm-hmm. all kids can do and and for the classroom, for society when they get out of uh, school. It's it's a it's important to think of each kid is to not be overlooked. Yeah. And I think that's something that it's easy to do as a teacher. You kind of focus your attention on the kids that wow, she can read a book already. As far as a kindergartner Wow, he can do math, and you sometimes leave the other kids, and that's and as a as a student when I was a kid, I wasn't exactly the the top always in the class, so I knew what it was like to be kind of looked over. So, you know, it's it's important for us as educators to think, hey, everybody that walks in there, you know, 
wants to do their best and has something that they can contribute. Yeah. Is that hard to do, Don? Because um, I remember when I was in school, and like probably still is today, like you have a percentage of the class that are brilliant, sharp, above average, easy to teach. Is it difficult to take time away from them to really be hands-on with maybe the students who are struggling or not understanding it the first time uh, for various reasons? Uh, I know it's time-consuming, and and when you have to, I was a bright student, and so when they had to take time to re-explain things to other students, I kind of got bored and like sitting there like. And so, is it hard to balance that? It is because you do have a wide range, and and we do it a couple of ways. Years ago, I would just turn the class in on itself. Tying shoes would drive me crazy. Teaching a kid to tie his shoes, so I would take the kids that could tie their shoes come on over here, show us how to do it. So they would get excited about, oh, today I taught somebody how to tie their shoes. You know, so that goes with reading, that goes with math skills. We'll find some kids that struggle in some other things and to say, whoa, you're really good at math. Can you help these kids in math? They just blossom. I mean, it really, you can see uh-huh. their chest pop out and they... They're just glad to help. And, I mean, you can tell you've made their day, and you know that that they are become, once again, an important part. What we've done recently is I in, – in the United States, we have what's called special education. So if someone needs a little extra help, they're uh, sometimes put into a special education room. If you need a little bit of help, you get a little bit of time in that classroom. You need a lot of help, you know, you spend a lot of time in that classroom – We've done what we call co-teaching, and we've kind of been able to pilot that program with a couple other schools to say that we'll take five of those kids into our classroom that need, you know, that can handle it, that needs some to a lot of extra help, and the special ed teacher comes in the classroom. And if you were to walk into our classroom, I don't think either one of you guys would be able to say, He's the special ed teacher. She's the special ed teacher. I work with a great lady, and and the way we work together, kids have such big successes. I mean, we're going around. Two people are always better at anything, paddling a boat, teaching a classroom. So that co-teaching really has worked out. We found in the two years that we've done it, kids who started off needing just a little bit of help, we don't need any help that the year after that. They have got those skills that are so important with having the kids help and an extra teacher in the room and it really, really things go really well with that. So yeah, I mean, it it, it is a struggle sometimes to be able to manage that, but that's a management kind of strategy and if you use that where you turn it back on itself to have the kids who can do, you know, teach the kids. I could stand up there all day long, you know, doing cartwheels, but when some other kid tells it to another kid, boom, that really locks it in, I think. Wow, what a brilliant strategy. And you probably learn a little bit about teaching as well when you listen to one of your students teaching one of the other kids. You could be like, wow, I'm taking notes here. Yeah, they they really can. And, I mean, they're hilarious about it. I mean, the two five-year-olds, you know, working on something – Tying shoes, holding the pencil, you know, is is hilarious to watch. It's a it's a <laughs> it's a show every day. 
Nice, nice. And it uh, probably gives a lot of self-confidence to the student who's teaching oh, as well. And you can really build people up that way. And that's five-year-olds, ten-year-olds, you know, adults. Exactly, exactly. Gary, let's get the next question out there. All right, um, Mr. Harrison, uh, could you talk to us about um, your quote of saying, faith drives your life? Yeah. I think, and I don't want to proselytize, you know, but I think my faith is very important to me. I think, you know, of course, every day I am, am motivated and, and inspired by those around me. My church community is so important to me. They are truly a second family to us. You know, we cry together, laugh together. Uh, we, we're in contact most of the week. Social media is a great way for us to get in touch with each other if someone needs help, needs a hand up. Uh, faith has been so important to my life, and I would just, you know, and I'm not really too worried about where you find your faith. I mean, it's the Dalai Lama's 80th birthday, and people are celebrating, and that is so cool to see. You know, they're something that's important to them, so it's not only just. But I think my denomination, you know, everybody needs to come to our church. But, you know, whatever your faith is, it has to be, it, it has to drive your life. And I think that that you need to live according to whatever uh, principles you think are important and, and get help from others around you and let that let that drive your life. I think is it, one, one thing I always remember as a kid we had some really, really tough times. And, I mean, you know, I, I've reading your story, Tom, I know you've had some physical struggles in your life, and, and you were able to overcome those. And sort of similarly, I had, you know, as a little kid, we had financial struggles. And we were without a home for a while, and really, my mom, it was hard on my mom to admit it uh, and and to get the help she needed, but first we went to the church and the church reached out helped us provided so much for us in the way of a couch, you know a couch uh you know food that sort of thing and then you know cuz you need those things and then when we needed the emotional support once again our church was right there and and to be able to help hmm. kids is is really really you know an important thing and you know, faith really does need to, whatever faith you have, hold tight to that and, and, and embrace that. Amen. Amen. And I can uh, certainly uh, agree with that. Uh, my Christian faith is probably the key uh, to how I've been able to live with constant, 24-7, never-ending pain throughout my body for 46 years. Sometimes I can't take it but I have a creator and a God who can handle it for me. And so a lot of times I've just handed it off to God, like, okay, uh, this is getting too much for me to handle. The pain is too bad. Lord, it's in your hands now. And even just doing that, that act of doing that, just gives me a lot of comfort. Even if the pain doesn't lessen, at least I know, okay, I've handed it off to the man who can look after the pain for me. And so faith really does drive your life. And I imagine as a teacher, especially, um, to realize that every student in that class was created by God with a specific, special purpose by God. 
that must really make teaching different when you have that perspective on the every student that's sitting in that class. And you think, and, and, and exactly, you're exactly right. And you're such an inspiration to people. I mean, who physically say, "Oh, I'm tired today." What you know, reading your story, you know, you can tell that you have really had to push yourself and and rely on others and that faith to push you. And and sometimes you push yourself. Sometimes people push you behind you. You know, you're committed to speak somewhere, so you have to show up. But you're exactly right. When I think, you know that just five years ago, that little kid in the classroom who might at the moment be driving me up the wall was brought home, you know, and in in loved and, and taken care of. You think, wow, you know, that that really, and, and, in such, and that there's a child of God and important, you know, it really does change your, the way you kind of act and react to kids on a day-to-day basis. It sure does. It sure does. And I, if I were a parent and I had a kid in your class, it would be so nice to know uh, that your faith is what drives your life and that your faith is going to be uh, shown through to my son or daughter in your teaching. Uh, it would give me a lot of comfort and that would be a great thing. <laughs> Now, uh, you also, uh, Gary and I both uh, believe this, and I'm, I'm coaching Gary. Gary is uh, one of my clients, and uh, I know you s- believe that you have to motivate yourself first before you can motivate others. And it seems to make common sense, but not common sense is not always common practice. And to motivate yourself, like a teacher is almost like an athlete. You've got to show up when you're tired, when you're sick, when you're not feeling well, and you've got to deliver an uh, enthusiastic teaching session or lesson. Uh, talk about motivating yourself before you can motivate these little five-year-olds in your classroom. Exactly. You are so right. I mean, and and I did a, a little bit in a college play and, and learned that it is acting, and it's like, it's like you said, like he's an athlete, you're acting, there's so much more to it because you can't, I mean, kids will pick up very quickly. You know, if, if you're having an off day, so to speak, they will pick up very quickly and, and are you okay, are you, you know, are you mad, are you, you know. So, I mean, you have to have, you have to come in and throw everything to the side and say, it's, you know, it sounds corny, but it's like it's showtime, I've got to, you know, fake it till I make it sort of a deal. But to motivate yourself, to motivate yourself, you know, you, you feed off your coworkers. We ha- I'm so blessed to be able to work with some amazing teachers. They are, I mean, we're almost a family. We joke with each other. We're able to let off steam with each other, and it's, you know, it's a, it's definitely behind the scenes in the locker room kind of a deal, where, you know, it's. If, if, if you're having a bad day, you can count on your coworkers to kind of help you out and get you going back on. But yeah, you mm-hmm. have to motivate yourself and, and find things that are important, you know, and and take that breath and and get yourself away. I love to ride my bike. I love hopping on the bike. I rode 13 miles this morning. Gary can attest to you. It was a rainy day today here in Missouri, <laughs> but I rode like a fool in the rain. I'm telling you, I had a blast. <laughs> it just it, it's good for your spirit, and whether that's yoga, walking, 
eating a jar of ice cream, whatever it is, <laughs> whatever motivates you, you have to keep that, you know, you have to keep true to that and say, you know, I'm very busy, I can't today. Well, I take shoes and then I'll just go for a walk somewhere since, you know, you can't always transport the bike. But right. whatever it is that you find motivates you, don't, you, you've got to schedule it. You've got to say, I have to do this because it sounds silly. I need 30 minutes to just go take a walk, you know, and I'll just go out and take a little walk. You come back totally changed. I, I mean, and, right. and then that instantly reflects on the kids. They can tell. When you're jumping around the classroom, goofing around, they know, you know, okay, this is safe, this is fun. Now they're believing it, you know, and, and they're believing your message. So I think that, that definitely you have to motivate yourself first, and then you're able to be a true reflection of motivation if you're pumping somebody up and that sort of thing. And I have to practice this the same thing with uh, my pain and fatigue and um, you know, I'm known for always saying amazing when people ask how I'm doing and I don't feel like that. Some days it's just find myself that I'm amazing, you know. Four out of ten people in the world live on less than two dollars a day. I'm no nicer than them. How do I get to live in Canada, never never miss a meal? And how do they get to live in a third world country? So I have to remind myself daily of how to, you know, motivate myself or else I'm no use motivating other people. So totally. And and I can see where the physical action, walking, taking a bike ride, uh, who knows, doing handstands, going to the gym, uh, (laughs) something that just gets you out and gets you in the fresh air, big smile on your face. It's amazing. Yeah. Even just really handing good. out uh, with a school crossing guard, even if you're just doing that in the morning, you oh, know, it puts a you. smile on your face, you're saying hi to everybody, you're giving treats that for is, the dogs. Oh, yes, I have to tell you, I mean, that is, that gets anybody's day going. And I tell you, it, it came to me not as kind of a choice. The, another male teacher retired, and he was the crossing guard, and we actually tried to get a janitor to do it. And he was a former U.S. Marine. He said, no, it's too cold. I'm not going out there anymore. So he, <laughs> it fell on me. And he said, he, he said, look, can you go out there and do crossing guard? It's, you know, 35 minutes a day. I'm like, yeah, sure. No Literally, the next day, I got 700, you know, waves, 700 smiles. I mean, it it is so, I tell people, everybody should be able to go you know, spend, have 700 people wave high and stick their arm out and throw you in a donut hole every once in a while to get your day started. How would that not be awesome? You think about, you think about professional athletes coming through the tunnel, ah, thousands of people, go, 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 you know, wouldn't that be great if you were a banker and that's the way your day started every day, you know, 50,000 people, go, Bob, come on, you can do it. (laughs) You're going to have a great day at the bank, woo, you know. I mean, that would be, the crossing guard, I love, love, love. And we do do Canadian weather sometimes, so that is tough, but. Oh, fun every day, every day. It kind of reminds me like I'm a greeter at church like once a month. And to me, it's like, wow, this is the coolest job in the world. I have an actual reason to shake everybody's hand and say hello to everybody. (laughs) You're exactly right. Same thing. 
yeah, it's like, wow, this is like so much fun, you know? And so, yeah, crossing guard would be fun. And especially little kids are always pretty cute. And so it would be nice to have that job. Uh, Gary. Gary, we have a few more questions. Let's uh, let's get on to another one. Okay. Um, you know, life has its ups and downs. And, uh, you know, if someone's always smiling, you're not really sure how they're doing. Um, but but here, um, you know, you're quoted as saying, pedal downhill when you can. Mr. Harrison, mm-hmm. what do you mean by that? I... I when you get on a bike and you kind of go out for a while, you kind of lose, you know, a lot of stress and that sort of thing. And and there's a little bit, I'm not a professional biker by any means, but a lot of times here in the rolling hills of Missouri, I mean, it's it, there's some downhills and uphills, and it's a lot like life, you know, and things kind of come to you. Uh, and one of the skills of riding a bike is if you're going downhill you know, and things are easy for you, and the breeze is in your face, it's real easy to just sit back on the pedals and just relax for a little bit. And for, to be honest with you, that's one of the big reasons I moved from running to biking. So, I mean, going downhill, taking a big drink of water is a great time. But there's a hill coming up. It, it may be in front of you. It may be in a minute. So when you have that opportunity, you've got to pedal when you're downhill, when you're going downhill. I think a lot of times things, you can kind of tell in your life, it's like, wow, things are really rolling. Like like with Gary, I made some car sales and things are going great. Business is really looking up again. Things are going well in the office. you got to pedal. And, it, and it's easy to just sit back and kind of let some stuff come to you. But quickly, like a bike going uphill, it'll start to get hard again. But if you've yeah. taken a little bit of time and said, you know, hey, things are going easy now. I'm going to go ahead and do an extra report. I'm going to go ahead and push this uh, push this strategy, you know, and, and be able to kind of, instead of taking it easy, you, you kind of want a little break every once in a while, but especially like on the bike, it just always seems like if you can pedal downhill, when you go uphill, and you're going to go uphill again, it's going to get hard for you, <laughs> it is so much easier. You'll find... That if you start pedaling at the bottom of the hill, you've got a long way to go, you know. But if you've gained some speed, you've got some momentum on your side. That hill doesn't get hard to the very, very top, and and so much in life is kind of like that that I've that I've discovered. Whether it's at you know at home with my family, you know things are going great. Hey, let's go ahead and get that garden tapped out while things are pretty light around here. You know, if, if at work, you know things are going really, really smooth, go ahead and take on some extra things. So I always just, and, and honestly, every time I hit it downhill, I'm like, pedal downhill, okay. So you just hit that <laughs> a little bit more, and, and I have found that in life it is so much easier because you're going to go uphill one of these days. You know, the, the uphills are so much easier if you, if you just yeah. pedal downhill a little. Yes. I like pedaling downhill occasionally. Yes, yes. It's easier, you know, and, and you you can kind of see those times in your life, especially when you get to 40 years old like Tom and I, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, uh, uh, oh, 
I had lost this uh, last question, so I'm going to have to get it in front of me again. But, uh, yeah, like uh, you can. Uh, I, I know you also uh, believe that uh, we all need help from time to time from other people. And mm, for many years of my life, uh, I wasn't good at that. I wouldn't ask for help if my life depended on it. I know one time uh, one of my sister's friends came up to her at school and said, you know, it looks like Tom has a really hard time getting up and down stairs, and I feel like I should offer to help him. And my sister said, don't offer to help him because he'll go (laughs) right back up those stairs and he'll come down all by himself just to show you that he can do it. So just save yourself the aggravation and don't bother asking him. And, you know, people will think, well, that's pretty cruel, but I thought, wow, good answer from my sister, because that's the type of person I was. But later on in life, um, during a few surgeries and a few you know, bouts of my arthritis, I did ask others for help, and wow, you know what? I found out, A, I didn't mind asking for help, and B, people love to help. And oh, yeah. so I eventually learned that not asking people to help when you need it it's kind of like depriving them of the opportunity to be of service. And God created us to serve others. And if I'm depriving people of that opportunity, I'm really not helping myself and I'm really not doing the best for them either, right? Exactly. A part of this, a big part of this whole process that we went through, and, and exactly like you said, I don't, I mean, financially times were tough on us and we didn't ever want to take a handout or anything like that. And, you know, you, you find yourself doggedly determined to do things by yourself. I'm out in the garage trying to, you know, put something together. There's, it could be a three-person job really easy, but it's just, I think I can get this by myself. But so much of this whole process with the top teacher had to be a community sort of thing. And it really tied in, you know, kind of what you were talking about, your dad being in a small town, how it's, you know, everybody works together and everything. It, it, it really was like that, and I couldn't have gotten anywhere. I mean, in this whole process, if it was just Don Harrison and family by himself, I mean, the whole town rallied around. People at the grocery store, my son's in, in the Army, and he's down in Georgia, and he told everybody in his barracks they had to vote for Mr. Harrison. You know, it spider webbed out like that. We, I could tell you a hundred stories of people that came up to me that said, you know, I told this, I told my brother, I told them, and they told everybody. And then people would come to you later and said, hey, we voted for you on that show. I know you don't know me, but my sister lives in Cameron, and she said I had to vote for you. <laughs> so, I mean, having other people help you, you know, it really brought about a, a real clear vision of that, you know, as, as much as you want to say, I did this by myself, I've done this by myself, so many other people have helped you along the way, and it, and it really does. It takes a whole bunch of other people, and you have to rely on them sometimes for help. Like I said, I mean, if it was just our family, we would have gotten four votes total, you know. But <laughs> everybody came together, and, and friends and family, you know, and part of the process was that you could vote for 24 hours, and people said... Oh, we stayed up all hours voting for you, and and my wife. The day, the day of the show, my biggest fear was that I would oversleep or something. So my wife was up late voting, and someone, you know, on Facebook said, "Lynette, are you still up? It's three in the morning." And she said, "Yes." And 
they said something that was just truly profound. They said, go to sleep. We've got this. And it's like, wow. I mean, the whole town wow. helping you out and, and, and carrying you, you rely on them. And you think, you know, it, it's, it's just me doing it sometimes, but there are a lot of other people helping that you may or may not know. But, yeah, Amen. that's something that really came clear to us is that, you know, sometimes you have to have the help of others. Amen. And uh, a student even started a Facebook page called Mr. Harrison is a rock star. <laughs> yes. yes, that was hilarious. That was, that was actually several years ago because it was her, she's a sweetie. Her mom and her would go through the intersection. And she was a junior high student at the time. And they would just cut through the intersection. I mean, they weren't coming to our school in particular. It was a kind of a four-way. And she said, here I am. I mean, I wear you know, a goofy hat, I have goofy things on my wand, I'm always smiling and waving like a goof, but <laughs> said they were having a big argument, you know, mothers and daughters apparently have arguments, never knew that, but she said, we were having an argument, we came to the intersection and both just busted out laughing because you were standing up there waving, handing out dog treats to somebody, and they said, you know, he is kind of like a rock star, so she made this page, and the page blew up, I didn't know about it for several days afterwards. It had grown to like a hundred people already before I knew about it, but it was hilarious. So yeah, oh, wow. I get the nickname Rockstar every once in a while. But yeah, it is <laughs> it is truly, truly cool. Amen. Well I want to end this interview with a question that allows you to brag on your wife. Because Napoleon hey. Hill Napoleon Hill's number two success principle was the Mastermind Alliance. And he said the I ideal mastermind alliance, if you can have it, is between a husband and a wife. And he gave examples of Thomas Edison and Henry Ford. Henry Ford's wife was likely smarter than him, and, and she was really, really, really instrumental in him getting to where he was. He wasn't the most educated person in the world and uh, very determined, but she really, really, really was a mastermind partner for him. And Thomas Edison, if you read stories of his wife, and like he worked like endless hours. She was always up there when he got home, whatever, out of the night to talk to him, work in his lab with him, bring him food. And, and so... Uh, you can't be teacher of the year and teach five-year-olds for 25 years and, and do all of the other things that you do over and above just the teaching job without knowing that your wife is 100% behind you, believes in you, trusts in you, and allows you to do those extra things for all the people you love and serve when it could take time away from her, could take time away from your kids, and so talk about that amazing mastermind alliance that you have with your wife and uh, how basically her being behind you really helps you to do all the extra little things you do in your community. Oh, exactly, exactly. She is amazing. And and, and, and she's sitting four feet away from me now, so I'm going to score some serious bonus points. But she is she is an amazing lady and truly, truly uh, a great friend first, and you know, in these very liberal times, it, you know, it's you have to have a partner, whatever that partner is, you know, whatever that relationship is. Uh, but truly, having a, a life partner, a, a best friend, is makes it amazingly easy. I couldn't do anything truly without her, and our relationship has rubbed off on 
our kids, and they see us laughing several times. It's it's kind of comical. They'll have to come in and say, "You guys are kind of being loud. We're trying to sleep. We're goofing around, fellow fighting." She is truly my best best friend. She drove me when we were in college. We I didn't have a car, and she did. So I paid her uh, to gas money to take me on a date to another girl. I, I dated. I was dating another girl. <laughs> I paid her gas money, and uh, and she drove me back and forth. And she was that kind of friend, and we just developed our relationship. And I think God pushes you that way. And holy cow, it has been it's been bumpy. Any any relationship is sometimes bumpy, but it has been a blast. And her letter was too sweet. Her she she wrote that, and as a she thought that the producers of the show would just write back and say, tell your husband, thank you for all he's done. And and that's she was going to give that piece of paper to me as a, as a teacher appreciation gift. Uh, but it kind of did a little more than that, so I kind of got out of hand. <laughs> but she is, she is an amazing lady, I tell you. And everything you said is exactly true. She is a, a, a person that you can rely on for, is this idea work? Does this, you know, what do we need? And, and, then, the other, and then in the same breath, I get a fire call. It's a volunteer uh, program here in town. I have to go fight fires. So she goes ahead and finishes the homework. She'll go ahead and finish the meal or, or, or take care of things. I work weekends on the ambulance and during the summer. So she's there for the kids to drive them here, drive them there. So truly, truly, I couldn't, I would be, a mere shell of the man, and I'm sure she'll remind me of that in two weeks when I goof up something, but if it wasn't for her, I tell you, I love her to death. She's an awesome lady. We have so many things planned in front of us and in front of our lives, and everything in that is together. What are we going to do? Where are we going to live? What are we going to plan? You know, those sort of things. Where are we going to travel? So it is it's truly, truly a blessed relationship. And, and anybody, you know, Whatever that relationship is, you know, uh, whatever that looks like, to have that one-on-one relationship with somebody is, is like you said, very, very important to your life. Amen. And it's probably one of the best testimonies for other Christians, people in the church. A long marriage is a testimony because anyone who's been married more than two months knows there's ups and downs. <laughs> And exactly. so 25 years, how many years you've been married, people know, okay, they've figured out a few ups and downs and they're still together. I guess we can do that too. Gary, why don't you speak to that? I know from doing some coaching with you that your wife is enormously important to all the things you do. And you got three kids too, and you work at a job where the hours can be long. And so I imagine your wife... Uh, uh, is your mastermind partner and someone you have to rely on a lot as well. Oh, yes. Um, everyone says they have the most amazing wife, but I, I really believe that I do, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> um, she, uh, um, she's, she's my best friend as well. She's um, always been there for me, you know, through life's ups and downs. Um, she's a solid rock and uh, a great mother. Uh, don't make me cry. She's, she's such a wonderful <laughs> person. Um, well, I was talking to her today about, yeah, I was talking to her today about um, Mr. Harrison and I guess uh, her uh, 
oldest twins, Dominic and Damon Bodorf. Um, uh, Damon was in Mr. Harrison's class in kindergarten, and uh, he remembers us to this day. It's um, He's now in eighth grade, going into eighth grade. Uh, Mr. Harrison told him that if he wore a tie, he could be in charge. <laughs> and uh, he, he still remembers that. The guy with um, the tie. <laughs> the guy with the tie. But um, as, as far as my wife goes, Tom, I couldn't. I, I'm a blessed man to uh, to have met her and and uh, able to share my life with with a wonderful person. So. Amen. So the Bible verse: He who finds a wife finds what is good. Good thing. Uh, yes. Yeah, that uh, it is true, especially the longer you hold on and the more challenges you go through, it strengthens a relationship more than weakens it. So that's a good message for everybody out there. Stick through the uh, challenging times because they're going to build into an amazing relationship. Uh, Don, as I said at the start, like I... I interview some amazing, famous, big-time people, but this is the most exciting interview for me because I feel that teaching, and especially young kids, five-year-old, uh, as I mentioned, I don't think I could do it. I would probably be charged with something or probably fired or something for losing my patience. And, and so, you know, the work you do, creates a legacy because you're going to be remembered by those students and impact those students, their thinking and their lives long after they're gone from you. And so I'm I'm extremely humbled and excited to have interviewed you. I was wondering if, had you ever thought of writing a book or putting something together about how to be a teacher of the year or how to... Do what have, you're doing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, there's you're tempted, but I think somebody already made the movie called Forrest Gump, and that's truly my life. <laughs> 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 it's like amazing. I think somebody already did that movie, but no. Yeah, I think you know, if I I keep being cool guy and Cameron, and and the, I always tell my boys if I don't care about what award I get, as long as I'm the best dad in your mind, I'm in, I'm in good shape. But yeah, it's. Amen. Yeah, that would be a that would Amen. be an interesting book. I think somebody already wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you're probably a little like me, like I get accolades from people and people, you know, after talks or various things for various reasons, emails from people all over the world. Oh, you're so inspirational. I get embarrassed like almost every yeah, time because yeah. I just I'm just an ordinary guy. I, I think uh, in my head, I think, you know, watch me 24-7 for a month and then just see if you really admire me as much as I do now, right? Like, I'm sitting at home watching TV in my pajamas half the time, writing these things on my website and, you know, like, follow me around for a month and then let me know how much you admire me because I just feel like, you know, I'm just a regular guy and you, you must feel like that as well, I imagine. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's like I said, you don't want to know how sausage is made. <laughs> I mean, like, hey, sausage is awesome. Like, whoa, wait till you see how it's made. <laughs> yeah, I am truly, I'm a product of my environment, and I live in a beautiful, beautiful place with some really neat people around me, and that's that makes the difference. 
Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being uh, with us today, Don. Uh, it's been exciting for me, and I know uh, I've been wor- working with Gary over the last few weeks. He's been excited. He's been telling me all about you. I think he's in your fan club, maybe the president of your fan club, because yeah. he's really yeah. been pumping. He's been pumping your tires there, and so it's been exciting for me uh, to to talk to you. And what an enormous honor! And I can see that it comes from your faith. When you have that faith, you can be the best at whatever you are because you know you have God behind you. And I think that's one of the major keys to your success. Exactly. And and I want to thank you both. I mean, I'm honored to be here and, and think what you guys are doing are great and, and honored to be able to help a little bit. So and I appreciate your, 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 your kind words, and it's very very awesome to be here. Thanks so much, Don. Thanks, Gary, thanks for so joining us. Your very first show. Woo-hoo. Yes, hey, thank you very Gary, much. I, why don't you tell people, Gary? Tell people one more time where to buy a car from you, please. Like your email and your phone number. Car City, uh, two miles south of US 36 on the South Belt Highway. My phone number is eight one six seven two four zero three seven six. Amen. Thanks so much, guys. Have yourself an amazing day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email Tom at TomTooTall.com for details.